This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? Very good, thanks. Let's start with the latest from the Fed. Of course, last night signalling interest rates could begin to move higher, faster than previously expected, just as they open the door to trimming monthly bond purchases this year. So how did Asia markets react to that news when they opened earlier today? So the markets generally have uh, responded quite well. I mean, they were trading quite well going into the meeting itself, which is quite unusual when you consider how much this meeting has been hyped up over the course of the last couple of months. And yet there was a really positive move going into the actual announcement. Now, in terms of what the Fed announced, a lot of it was kind of expected. Uh, The tapering side in particular, um, the Fed suggesting that they're still aiming to taper this year, that they they think it will come soon. Uh, Again, very much um, what people were uh, anticipating based on the recent commentary that we have had from the central bank. Plenty of dovish caveats which allows them to change course prior to November um, if the data or if other situations do deteriorate. They mentioned the debt ceiling and obviously the situation with Evergrande in China uh, and many more potential downside risks uh, over the course of the coming months. So while the Fed has made it perfectly clear really that the aim is still to announce tapering in November, um, potentially starting then from December, they very much did leave the door wide open to potentially changing course if things do take a turn for the worse. Now, I don't think they will. I still think they are very much intent on doing so. Inflation is now running higher than they were expecting previously. Growth is running a bit lower. They expect to make that back next year. They're still suggesting that uh, inflation is transitory, even if it has peaked a little bit higher um, uh, in recent months. Uh, and they think that will come down next year. But clearly there is a growing desire from certain officials within the Fed uh, to pare back some of this stimulus. So really what people were focused on from the meeting, because all of that was broadly in line with what was expected, the focus was really the dot plot. So people have almost kind of moved past tapering. They've accepted it's going to come. They've they're ex- accepted that it's going to be phased out over the course of around six months. The question always became, but what about interest rates? Now, the Fed last time um, wanted to insist that there is no connection between tapering and interest rates, that interest rates will start to rise um, under certain conditions that is not linked to tapering. Um, And so the dot plot is really what people are focused on to get a better idea of when that will be. And again, I... As expected, um, we did see a couple more votes for a rate hike, uh, or not votes for a rate hike per se, but expectations of a rate hike um, coming late next year. So that's kind of brought forward expectations ever so slightly for an interest rate hike cycle to begin uh, within the Fed. So I guess what I'm saying is while we are leaning now towards tighter monetary policy from the central bank and we are seeing the inflation numbers higher, that inflation is expected to come back down again. Growth is expected to rebound next year and make up for the the lost pace that we saw towards the or expected to see towards the back end of this year. But as always, it's it's a highly sensitive situation uh, and policy missteps are, are, are possible really over the course of the coming months. So the Fed is going to continue to be uh, extreme cautious with this and I have no doubt that they will hold back if they do think that um, that their actions are going to cause a bit of a taper tantrum in the markets or if they are going against really what the data is 
beginning to tell them. So um, all in all, I'd say a relatively successful meeting, no missteps on this occasion. And I think the markets have a much better idea of what we can expect from the Fed, not only this year, but going into the next year or two as well. And any reaction on the currency markets because of that meeting? Was the dollar up? Yeah, the dollar's up a little bit, um, although it has paired back some of those gains today. Gold took a bit of a hit. I mean, gold's in a really unfortunate position right now, really, where um, because the Fed is starting to pair back its stimulus and starting to talk about interest rate hikes, uh, its appeal has diminished somewhat. There is some safe haven potential appeal um, if we do see some of these risks unfold uh, over the course of the coming months, um, which would potentially soften the dollar if it does slow the Fed a little bit. But right now, gold's um, gold's very much struggling. We we saw it kind of rally a little bit into the actual Fed meeting itself, but then that, that, that was quickly pushed back once more. And now we're seeing it, I think, around 1760 this morning. Uh, but the, the kind of path of travel that it's on um, is, is is not too great um but we've got plenty more central banks which we're hearing from currently um and over the course of the next few months this week has been extremely central bank heavy um so i'm sure we're going to get a much clearer picture uh on how uh, many of these are positioned and, and how many are going to be re really following uh the fed in, in tightening monetary policy in the not too distant future which considering what we've come through over the last 18 months is quite impressive you mentioned Evergrande and shares in the troubled property giant jumped in Hong Kong after an agreement was struck with Chinese bondholders yesterday. Um, Hong Kong was closed on Wednesday when the deal was announced. So how has it reacted today? So, I mean, it's done quite well in Hong Kong. I think it was up around 18% when I last checked. So it's had a nice bounce back day and I think sentiment more broadly was lifted yesterday going into that Fed meeting as a result uh, of that deal. We don't really know what the details of the deal are. That's uh, one thing worth noting. Another thing worth noting is that there is a US uh, US dollar bond um, much larger due uh, today as well. So um, there's still a lot more to learn and they've still got plenty more liabilities due over the course of the next few months. So this is by by no means sorted. Uh, like the, the, There's still such a long way to go. There's going to be a massive restructuring, which I believe uh, is uh, is in the works. Um, but it was it was the fact that they reached an agreement, which suggests that more agreements are going to be reached. If the payment, the US dollar payment, isn't made today, then I believe then there is still like a kind of one month grace period. So there is no kind of immediate risk of default. Um, and then the other thing that really gave these markets a lift is the fact that while the Chinese authorities have been extremely quiet um, until now uh, in relation to this to this particular story and have um, uh, when the markets when the markets have been looking for reassurance or 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 warnings or um, or an indication that a bailout could be possible while they have been very quiet until now the fact that they are working in the background um, reportedly on a restructuring deal and, and also um, you've got the PBOC making massive liquidity, uh, net liquidity injections into the markets in order to try and calm them. It's worked. We have seen uh, these fears soothed somewhat. It's not a story that's going away. There could be more, plenty more volatility on the back of it. But this first move that's, that, that we've seen um, this week uh, from the, the, the company and from China um, is slightly positive, shall we say. Okay, Craig, 
Um, we've already talked about the FOMC's announcements uh, late last night and the repercussions of that. We've got another big central bank uh, with an announcement later today. That's the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee, which will give also some indication of what lies ahead. No imminent rise in interest rates, surely, but that could also uh, be sooner than expected, as we saw last night with the Fed's announcement. Yeah, I mean, you say no imminent rise, but the markets are still pricing quite heavily um, as far as the Bank of England is concerned. The the governor has warned that, like, the con- in a similar manner, really, to what the Fed has said, that the conditions are close to being met. And the markets are actually pricing in two interest rate hikes over the course of the next uh, 15 months. So between now and the end of next year, um, a small interest rate hike early next year of 15 basis points and uh, maybe a 25 basis point hike at the end of next year, taking interest rates 2.5%. So there is still an expectation that we are going to see the central bank indicate that they are moving moving towards um, tighter monetary policy, which again is um, it's staggering to think, given that we are going into another winter when um, when COVID cases are expected to spike, when the Delta variant is already uh, spreading quite rapidly in a number of different countries. Um, and when there is so many downside risks, particularly here in the UK, it feels like there's the the, the kind of just a number of the the kind of economic headwinds here in the UK seems to be growing. We've got um, an energy uh, well an energy crisis really here in the UK right now, which is going to influence uh, affect households and businesses uh, over the course of the of the next few months. We're going to see we've already seen a number of energy firms actually going out of business as a result of the chip movements that we're seeing in energy prices right now. Right now natural gas uh, being the most uh, obvious so that's one headwind as far as the uk is concerned the end of the furlough scheme at the end of this month uh, is another potential um, headwind the rise that was expecting in national insurance early next year the end of the, uh, the top up for benefits uh, and that's just to name a few uh, and it seems that there's there's many more so um it, it's it, it's surprising when you see this all laid out and you're seeing slower growth uh, as we've seen more recently, um, that the you can the the idea of the Bank of England raising interest rates twice next year, especially when we consider how hard it's been for them to raise interest rates over the course of the last decade. But that's where the markets are currently positioned, and that's the message which we are expecting from um, from the Bank of England uh, after it meets today. So it will be another interesting one to see because, again, it's not. A straightforward decision by any stretch of the imagination but it's very much the impression that we've had from the central bank quite recently absolutely right certainly not straightforward and the energy crisis as you call it has made things even more complicated these rising energy prices are going to cause further inflation that's going to affect all sorts of sectors industries right across the board uh, we've already seen that they're talking about possible food shortages and so on Um, normally you would say well rising inflation means rising interest rates but the government and the bank of england are going to be very wary of affecting the economy so negatively by an imminent rise in rates uh, should they feel they need to because then that could also uh, create a real negative effect on the economy generally yeah, I mean, ultimately, there's good inflation and bad inflation, right? There's good inflation, which is driven by a tight labor market, which is driven by people seeing higher wage growth, driven by strong economic growth and the country doing well. Then there's bad inflation, which is driven by um, 
by factors uh, like this where we are seeing prices rising um, and we've seen a number of other examples of prices rising here in the UK for reasons which are not linked an economy that's that, that, that's doing well that's linked to supply uh, side issues for example uh, and this is another example of, of areas where we're going to see pressure put particularly on the 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 less well off um, over the course of the next 12 months now which is why like I say the idea of two interest rate hikes does seem quite interesting given given the squeeze that we are potentially going to see uh, become uh, apparent and uh, and the energy crisis I think is it, it just feels like it's just really getting underway we've seen a number of energy firms already going under the idea that the, the I saw the other day that the risk is that we could see the number of energy firms fall from around 70 which there are currently down to around potentially 10 um, which is quite uh, by the end of the year I mean that's that's quite um, a staggering turn of events given what we've seen over the course of the last year, 10 years, to try and grow that number, to try and increase competition. But obviously that's come at a massive cost, that cost being hedging, um, which has caused many of these issues. But then there's a lot of other issues that have affected the UK energy industry, and it's all of these one-off things happening at the same time. Supply from France because of a, because of a fire which has cut off that supply um, uh, less wind, which means that the kind of the wind farms that we have um, have have created far less than normal. Then obviously supply side issues from uh, from Russia, etc., uh, and the rise in uh, in prices globally. Uh, that's again just to name a few, because it seems that the list is just growing day by day, um, which is culminated in highlighting uh, a structural weakness in our energy industry um, being like what I've just alluded to which is small companies trying to compete with larger companies uh, by by effect by effect well you, you effectively utilizing shortcuts which leaves them vulnerable and has left them vulnerable um, in this particular scenario so that's just one of what it seems many challenges facing the UK uh, economy and UK households and businesses over the course of the next uh, few months it seems that they've reached a deal to try and keep food on the shelves which is always nice um, uh, meat products in particular because of um, a, a lack of carbon dioxide so that's one area where you've seen the government effectively subsidise uh, businesses in order to keep that flowing. We, we, I, imagine, I believe we're going to see further sub, further subsidies uh, for some of the larger uh, utilities firms um, in order to try uh, energy firms in order to um, to encourage them to take the customers etc. Because there is a bailout plan effectively when these firms do go under. Um, uh, which we've heard about more recently, which which enables customers to be transferred to larger energy energy firms. But under normal circumstances, that's a plan which will flow quite smoothly. But in a situation like this, where energy firms taking on customers from failing energy firms and offering prices that are far below what they what we're seeing in, in wholesale prices right now is not really a great incentive for these ma these major uh, energy firms so it looks like we're gonna have to see some um, some loans or subsidies um, from the government here to uh, to enable that process to run uh, to run more smoothly and I think what we may see ultimately see this in a, in a number of different areas in order for firms and businesses and well firms and households etc to kind of be propped up during what could be um, uh, a rough ride uh, over the course of the next few months because this energy crisis just doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon okay craig earlham in london thanks for joining us this morning thank you the oanda podcast